2: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Always much appreciated. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. I'm going to give you, and that's, by the way, that's A-M-P-I-R-E. I think you know that by now. Anyway, I'm going to get to my keys and prediction in a minute, and also, I'm going to be joined by ESPN's Michael Rosting, covers the Falcons, and because this game is a big game, I wanted to bring Michael on to talk about how the Falcons are doing. Why are they five and six? And Mike will have all the answers for you on their defense, what it means to not have Kyle Pitts, why Grady Jarrett is playing so well, what he adds to that, what he continues to add to that defense, and why the running game works so well. And that's obviously going to be a point of emphasis for Washington. So stick around for Mike. He'll give you some great insight on that. Be ready because this is a big game. And while the Falcons are 5-6, they can, both teams could easily be 6-6 six six after this game. So pay attention to what Mike has to say. Anyway, before I get to my keys of predictions, I did want to go over a couple of news and notes from Friday about injuries. Number one, linebacker Cole Holcomb was placed on injury reserve. He's got that foot injury. They did not think this was going to be that long. But the foot just never got better. He went and saw a specialist this week. He's on IR, so they're hoping that after that he could come back in four weeks or so and help them down the stretch. Again, they did not think it was going to be this long. The other part is corner Benjamin St. Juice, he is not going to play on Sunday because of the ankle injury he suffered against Houston. That's a big one. And this goes back to the number one that one of the top things um, that uh, my concerns for this defense going into the season was corner depth. And you were tested with it when they lost William Jackson or when he wasn't playing well, but they could compensate because they use so many different safeties. Now they're using four safety packages routinely using the three safety package because of Bobby McCain's ability to play in the slot. Well, now you need someone else who can play outside. So who is that going to be? And Ron Rivera said they would kind of match based on personnel and all that. So they could go to a lot of four safety looks and, and play, you know, a lot of zone depending on the, what, with the Falcons are doing, the Falcons will use multiple tight ends. They have, they use a fullback. So maybe you can get away with some three, you know, some four safety packages in that way. You're still going to need someone to play outside. So you can put Danny Johnson out there if you want to and keep Bobby McCain in the slot in those coverages. You can go with rookie Christian Holmes if you wanted to match size against rookie receiver Drake London. That's one of the things with St. Juice that he gave you is a taller corner who could match up against a guy like London. So it's just going to be interesting to watch and see what they do and how they mix and match with that. But it all comes because St. Just is out with that injury. Then also, tight end Logan Thomas he had he suffered a rib injury a couple weeks ago, and it it bothered was bothering him this week. But then he missed practice on Friday because of an illness. Ron Rivera said he expects Thomas they are expecting Thomas to play on Sunday. So that's good news for for Washington's offense. And then and I'll get to more why that is in a few minutes. And then finally, Chase Young. The one thing that they keep saying that they wanted to see is how he pushes off the confidence that he shows in his knee. And Rivera was very, very upbeat about what Young showed in practice on Wednesday and again on Friday. Now they did not practice Thursday, but they did all their they did a lot of stuff on Tuesday, which they normally don't do. So instead of having Tuesdays a day off, they had Thursdays a day off, and Tuesday was a work day. For people wondering, anyway, that's why I say he looked good in practice on Wednesday and Friday. He when even when we were out there, you could see that he was moving a little bit better when he was going through some drills, just in and out of the bags and stuff like that, coming off pushing off the knee, and and when they're coming out of the out of a, a little tunnel, a shoot to you know to stay low and come up, you could see that he was it was pushing off better than it was even a couple of weeks ago. So there's optimism about his ability to play on Sunday. We'll know for sure by Sunday morning, of course. And the one for people wondering is the weather supposed to be bad? Rivera was asked if that was going to have an impact on his decision. He said no. So there you go. Um, and if he does play, again, as I told you the other day, look for it to be in that. Rivera said on Monday it was like 12 to 16 snaps. So in that range is what you could expect him to play. And, you know, so there you go. He'll be, he could be back. And that would be a, a boost for a defense that continues to play well. Now let's get to the keys for the game. Number one key, and this is going to go for the offense, but it's stay efficient. And that means doing what they've been doing. And by the way, I'm not listing special teams as a key here. Well, actually, I am. I'll get to that in a minute. So I am I jumped ahead of myself here. But with efficiency, I'm talking about the offense, the run game, and just everything with the offense. And it starts with quarterback Taylor Heineke. There are a lot of things that he isn't going to give you at this point. And I know they keep winning with him, but there are a lot of things that he's doing that is just being a smart game manager. And that's not going to show up in the completion percentage, which hasn't been, which has not been great. And there's some third downs where it's like, sometimes you think he's doing well there and other times it's not. That's kind of his game. But what he's done is he's managed the game well, and he's kept his team ahead of the sticks by some of his decisions. Sometimes it's as simple as throwing a ball away. And I was talking to somebody there today about this, where You know, in the past, maybe there would have been times he would have forced a throw. Now he's learning to throw it away, avoiding those big negative plays. And even the deep one that should have been picked off by the Houston safety last week wasn't so much him forcing something as it was thinking that Terry McLaurin was going to be running down there, just a, you know, they weren't on the quote unquote same page. Anyway, but that's something that he has to keep doing. Stay ahead of the chains. Don't be, don't be forcing the ball and committing those silly turnovers because that's where you can get in trouble. So that's one thing that he has done. And then just overall with the offense, though, the efficiency comes back to the run game. And, again, they're not a great, great run team. What they are is efficient and effective and committed. And it, even Scott Turner said that he's getting a little stubborn with the run game. And, and I think and it shows. And I think it's a good thing. And I think that's something – one of the things that I like with the run game is the variety. And it's not just, it's it's Brian Robinson, it's Antonio Gibson, it's Curtis Samuel. Those jet sweep actions are really pivotal. I think the other thing that they do that not every team shows, and when you go back and you watch Atlanta and who they play in the run games, not everybody uses as much motion and movement as Washington does. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's one way they're not going to just line up and blow you off the ball. So it creates some hesitation with the linebackers at times, with the safeties for filling. And it creates some confusion about where is the ball. And that's how they get some of their more their longer runs. Again, they're not a dynamic run game at this point. But I think they're close to getting some of those. Will this be the week? I don't know. But I think they're close to getting those. And because you can see, and 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 I think um I would say for the tight ends, I think John Bates needs to have a better game than he did last week blocking. It was not his best game. And if he does, if you get Trey Turner's the guy, those guys up front then you have a chance to get some of those longer runs. I'd attack the linebackers. But, again, the efficiency, attack the linebackers. They have uh, Michael Walker, their, when they their linebacker, number three, saw him get confused by the jet sweep in a, a game against Seattle, saw the uh, Rams tight ends, Gerald Everett, do a nice job creating space at the top of the route against him. And, I, and just know this, Atlanta has allowed the second most catches to tight ends this season. That's why I said that's why I'm coming back to Logan Thomas and being available – and you can see you could see him being back to his old self last week against the Texans. And I think you saw the trust that Taylor Heineke has with him on some of those throws. Big time trust throws. And when you're starting to throw with trust, that's a big deal. And I think that Thomas is starting to get back to where he was. They felt that. So the only the trouble spot for him is that he keeps suffering these little injuries all the time. But if he keeps playing the way he has been, that's a big that could be a big plus in this game. The other thing, and I want to look at one little thing with the with the corners, because they do have a really good corner, A.J. Terrell. It'll be interesting to see. I'm assuming he's just going to be on corner. One of the things that's really, that is impressive with Terrell is he's going to get up and he's going to press, but he'll play all different, he'll play different kinds of press, but he crou- the way he crouches and the way he backpedals with that crouch allows him to, to really drive forward on the, on the receiver, on the ball, and I think it's one of the things he does well. But with that, I think one of the things that McLaurin can do if matched against him is some of the like the little underneath pivot routes. And I've seen him have some trouble on that just because I think he really sells hard on someone who's going inside. And McLaurin's good at going inside with the crossers, with some slants, et cetera. So you get him to sell it, you can sell that, get him to drive hard and cut back out. And I think that's something that you could maybe have some success with doing, throwing some sort of double moves against him with that. But again, he does drive well on the ball. But then on the other side, you also have um, J- J- um, Jahan Dotson, possibly or Curtis Samuel, whoever they get matched up against Darren Hall. I think that's another one to watch. I've seen Hall at times get turned around. I think a really good route runner like Jahan Dotson could be go out there and do some damage against him. Now, if they're going to run the ball a ton, then Dotson's not going to be a big part of the of the pass game. They looked at last week, there's only 15 completions. You're going to get the ball a lot to – to Chris Sam, you're gonna get the law ball lot, obviously to, to McLaurin and Thomas. So then it's the but but I do think Dotson can have some big gains against if that's the matchup. And I, I think it's because there's a route running ability, but that's one to watch as well.
0: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is the go-to betting place for NFL this holiday season. Same game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and a lot more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. More legs you add, the bigger the boost the bigger your shot to win big. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KIME K-E-I-M. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
2: Second key, control Brady Jarrett. The, the Falcons defensive tackle is a terrific, terrific player. Disruptive. And he's a guy that, I he's having a very good season 12, 12 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. If you leave him one on one, and that's whether it's Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell, anybody inside, if it's one on one, you just, you need, it's going to be, could be trouble. So I think they're going to have to be careful not to allow him to have many one on one situations. Guy's super quick, he's strong, and he gets in the backfield often. So you have to, you have to, you have to be able to handle him. By comparison, by the way, John Allen Reed is tied for the NFL lead with 17 tackles for a loss. So uh, Grady Jarrett is a little bit below him. He's below. He's one tackle for a loss behind uh, Deron Payne. But it gives you an idea how he's playing, and he doesn't have a stud next to him. So this is a lot on him. But he can control that game inside. One of the things that Washington does very well lately is avoiding the negative runs. Now they've still had some. But considering how much they've run the ball a lot, it's not a high percentage. For example, in the first eight games, excuse me, in the first five games of the season, they had eight uh, runs by a running back that lost yards. In the last six games, they've had eight runs by a running back that's lost yards. But in the first five games, that those eight carries that lost yards were out of 88 carries. Over the last six games, those eight carries that have lost yards by backs on 169 carries. So there's a huge difference. In other words, they're doing very well. That's why you can't let Jarrett start to control that inside and put them behind the chains. Because if they get into that second and 12, second and 13, now you have some problems for this offense. So you need to stay ahead of the chains, but that means controlling Jarrett inside. Sometimes it's a matter of letting, if he was going to get upfield over here, let him and play off that. But you see on some of those zone runs, he's going to force the back to go wider and then into some trouble because of that. So they've got to really... Take care of him. And if you do, you have some success. The other thing is that that, that line had pretty good pressure on – they had four sacks last week. I don't know that they're going to have some sort of intense pressure this week. They do like to blitz. They didn't blitz last week. Mike Rossi, my, my guy, will tell you about all this in a few minutes. So I'll be curious to see how they handle that. But I don't think it's going to be this huge sack game for them. But if you're, if you're not careful, Grady Jarrett can do a lot of damage. Um, and that that would put this offense in, um, behind. The last one, all right, another control situation. Control Cor- Cordero Patterson. That, that of course, this is a guy. This guy is is terrific, and he's one of the best returners in NFL history. One of the things I really like lately for Washington has been the play of the special teams, and it's it's all the way around. Now he's he, Patterson does more damage on kick return, so that's going to be on Joey Sly kicking it the hell out of the end zone. On punt returns, and that's not his game, but on punt returns, the coverage has been terrific. The outside guys, the gunners, Percy Butler, Any Holmes, anybody who's been lining up there has been pretty good to the point where Jeremy Reeves, who's the punt protector, is able to just go down and get the ball. In times in the past, if the, if the gunners aren't as good, he's going to have to make some moves to compensate for what they're doing, and, and more so now, he can just go at the ball. So that's been a big plus. But, again, with Patterson, it's all about the kick returns. When you watch him, on he's all, he's a massive threat at running back, too. He had games of over 120 yards, over 140 yards earlier this season. And when you watch him, like, he's really quick, obviously. We've seen him play this team before, but he is really quick, and they will run some power with him. They will line him up behind a fullback. The fullback, you know, they like to use the fullback. Um, so he's he's a dynamic runner. We'll run inside, but the big thing is getting, finding lanes outside, and you have to be really, really careful. And know what you're looking at, because the other problem for this Falcons offense, if you're defending it, is the running ability of Marcus Mariota, the quarterback. They want to run the ball. They're not a really good passing team, and without Pitts, it's not going to be as effective, that position. So they're going to want to run the ball. And I would assume whoever's playing the other corner opposite Fuller is going to be tested. But, again, running the ball is a key. And one of the things with stopping Patterson is stopping that offensive line. Now, I was talking to a player about this earlier this week, and he was just asking about the run game and the running backs. He's like, listen, it all it's all about for them is winning up front, winning against the, their offensive line. That's it. Whoever else then is that running back, it doesn't matter. If you are getting stops up front, if you're winning up front, which they have, then you're going to be successful against the run. But you, what you have to guard against with Patterson are those long gains that he is capable of getting. And with that run, it's, it's going to be, I think, again, this is where it helps if Young is able to come back, get another athletic end, defend those possible zone read runs. You know, uh, Casey Tullo does a good job with that, James. Williams has been a, been a very effective end as well this year. It's going to start with those inside guys. I think Ridgeway is going to have a, an impact, too, because you go to those five five D-line fronts, and his ability to control the center, which I've seen that happen against the Falcons a couple of times, his ability to do that will help control Patterson. But they they don't want to let him get going because he can be very, very dangerous. Anyway, those are the keys for me. So what's going to happen? Well, I like watching this game. I just like the way they're playing. I like their mindset. I like the mentality that this team is approaching games and weeks of practices with. And I think one reason why, and this is a little thing, but one reason why Rivera went the route he did this week with the schedule and giving them Thursday off a working Tuesday is because of the approach they've taken and how they've handled situations this year and I think it, I think taking that getting that day went a long way with the players and even the coaches. I think there's there's there it's a very much an upbeat locker room right now. I know there's some injuries. I think the St. Juice one is a concern. I'd be more concerned with it if they were playing a team that threw the ball a lot. But I do think they're going to, if you're Atlanta, I'm going to test. Again, I'm going to test whoever is replacing them because why not? Anyway, so I like watching this game. I I am a little bit concerned with the weather. It doesn't sound good. So it's going to definitely be a run game, and it's going to be a turnover game, possibly. And that's one thing they've done well. I'll, I'm just going to say the Falcons, both teams play close games. Let's go Washington 21, Atlanta 17. There you go. Those are my keys. So that means Washington will be 7-5 and five going into a game against New York next week that could put them one notch above in the standing. So there you go. I appreciate you tuning in and uh, pay attention for one minute because you're going to get Mike Rothstein filling you in more on the Falcons. So here's my conversation with ESPN's Mike Rothstein. Well, Mike, first of all, it's a happy Thanksgiving week to us both, but to you. Thank you. I know you've been very busy. Mike does a lot of stuff for us. One of the hardest working guys in show business, as they say. Nah, I don't
1: know the about the job. But okay. The
2: main job is the Falcons. So let's get to that. And it's and it is surprisingly a big game. Are you surprised at where the Falcons are at in, in their second year under Arthur Smith? Uh yes and no.
1: I am surprised that they are the record that they are. I think they're overachieving in terms of their roster, in terms of the amount of debt money they had, which And during the season, they had the most dead money in the NFL. They've since been surpassed by Chicago because Chicago traded on Smith and Robert Quinn. They also have one of the highest cap spaces in the league too. So that tells you their roster is not as expensive. Doesn't necessarily mean not as talented, but not as expensive as a lot of teams in the league. I also do question some of the talent in terms of depth at a lot of positions. So because of that, I am surprised that they are where they are because when you looked at the roster before the year, you thought, Oh, this might be a three win team a four win team, maybe, maybe a five win team, not a team that's at 500 and really battling for a playoff spot. But I'm not surprised because also we saw what Arthur Smith did last season with a roster that had honestly, maybe a little bit more depth than this one does. and, And certainly a lot more quote name players, but it was really thin in a lot of places. I mean, remember, obviously, y'all didn't see it because you played them earlier in the year last year. But by the end of the year, they were trotting out, you know, really kind of guys who are probably number three and number four receivers in the NFL, like Olamade Zacchaeus, who's basically their number like two slash three right now. Uh, he was really their number one along with Russell Gage, who is like the number four in Tampa like that that was their starting receivers by the end of last season and you just kind of in a more passing offense so that they're they finished that year seven and ten were in the playoff hunt the whole way so that they're doing this with Arthur Smith right now not totally surprising just because he's showing how good of a coach he is creating a team with the talent that he has, and they've completely changed their offense from what you what you saw last year.
2: What What is up with that offense? Marcus Mariota continues to go at quarterback. What does he give them uh, right now that's, that's helping them? Yeah,
1: it's his ability to get them in and out of plays. It's a, his ability to handle a lot of pre-snap, and then, frankly, his running the ball. He is a dynamic runner. He's in the top five among quarterbacks in yards, in touchdowns. Rushing, not not passing, not even close. But it is what he does with his legs because Atlanta likes to run a lot of zone read, a lot of RPO, a lot of design quarterback runs, a lot of play action. And because of that, what you see is you see a team, defenses that have to make decisions on how much they focus on Marcus Moriota. And if they focus on him too little, well, he'll just – No gasha. If they focus on him too much, well, then Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley will be able to run pretty much at ease or they will have used play action and theoretically guys will be open. Now, that's been one of the issues for Mariota is hitting guys downfield. His downfield completion percentage of air yards of 20 percent or 20 yards or more is among the lowest in the NFL. Uh, as of a week ago, I think it was like 25% or you know lower. And he just – he hasn't been great as a passer. He was off target a lot to Kyle Pitts. Now, Kyle Pitts will be on injured reserve, and he had been playing hurt for a long time. So we don't know how much of that was Pitts with drought depth, how much of it was – hits with the speed that Mariota was used to versus the speed now and how much was Mariota just missing him. And it was honestly a combination of all of those things. As much as the fan base might want to blame Marcus Mariota for everything. No, it was a combination platter of all of it. So he also, you know, it, it's, it's not been great for Mariota. Mariota has largely been what you expected him to be. And that's been good enough for them in a run heavy offense where they run only less than you know chicago and the giants in the nfl and i think philly they, they've done what they needed to do to
2: be competitive and i know one of the things because you wrote this um a week or so ago about um their his success in like situational football third down red zone so that's a key but you bring up the run game too why are they so good at running the ball Part of it is their offensive line. Now,
1: they've started four left guards in four weeks, and that has hurt their run game and, frankly, hurt their offense a little bit. They started Chuma Adoga there on Sunday against Chicago. Do not know who they will start this week because Colby Gossett, who was their starter two weeks ago at left guard, is available. Theoretically, Jalen Mayfield, who was their starter at left guard all of last season as a rookie might be available off of injured reserve because he was on IR. He's been on IR since the start of the season with a back injury. So I don't know what their left guard situation is going to be, but it's largely been because the offensive line has gotten a really good push, and Arthur Smith is a really good play designer in terms of being able to scheme runs correctly for Patterson, for Algier, for Huntley, because it is not matter who has been back there, John. They have been positive a positive yards rushing team.
2: And, it, what, and what obviously you brought Patterson, too. The, how dynamic has he been for them, and what does he mean to that offense? A lot. Because he is a guy
1: that they can line up everywhere, and they have. Now, he missed four weeks because of a knee injury that he had to have a procedure on. And they, in the last two games before Chicago, because they played two games in five days, they were really kind of hesitant in his workload. Where you saw a little bit more against Chicago, what he was able to do and kind of maybe how they're going to use him still primarily as a running back. But I think that that's going to evolve as he continues to round into form. And with Kyle Pitts being on injured reserve, they might have to line him up more outside and give themselves more two back looks. We'll see kind of how that goes. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to replace Kyle Pitts at this point. It's going to probably be with a multitude of players. So. But what Patterson does is he gives them a, a burst. He's a hard guy to tackle, especially in the red zone. And he has great anticipation and a great read of how to create space. And you know that because he's a kick returner and he's the best kick returner in NFL history, arguably. But he set the NFL record last week with his ninth kick return for a touchdown. You know, it, it's he's a sneaky Hall of Fame candidate, by the way. It's, it's really interesting. If Devin Hester ends up getting in, that might pave the way for him, but yeah. when you look at it, like that's what he does. He's able to create space. He's a powerful runner, and he can cut really quickly and anticipate holes that maybe other running backs can't do because of that returner ability and his former role as a receiver.
2: Last thing on offense, the loss of Pitts, and you said the production wasn't this quite the same. They were still he and Mariota were still kind of trying to get synced up. But what does that loss mean? Because defense is going to pay a lot of attention to him when he's on the field.
1: Right, and that's part of this, right? Like, I anticipate more teams will scheme toward Drake London, the rookie receiver, who has been pretty good this year. I know, again, fans are annoyed, but they're used to a pass-first offense where this is a run-heavy offense, and London's still being productive there, even if he doesn't have a ton of stats. But when they lose pits, not only is it the receiver part of it and the attention part of it, because the receiver numbers have been down. They're, you know, well under where he was a year ago but the attention he created opened things up for Olamide Zacchaeus, opened things up for Drake London and also became difficult because you never knew what he was going to do in a given play he also got way better as a run blocker which he was not a season ago so they're going to replace him with a combination of guys Michael Pruitt is probably the first guy there Anthony Ferkser Felipe Franks the converted quarterback into tight end, who has not really played much, but he looked good during camp. We'll see if he gets a shot. He's also been hurt the last couple of weeks with a calf injury. They signed John Rain to the practice squad, but I don't see that that being a huge factor for them. I think it's going to be Michael Pruitt and then trying to just use different personnel packages. Arthur Smith loves to mix it up personnel package-wise. He loves two tight end sets, but he loves to mix it up personnel package-wise, and I think you'll see a lot more of that with Pitts out.
2: And we, we see a lot of that here with, with Scott Turner as coordinator. Defensively, got a couple minutes. Um, one of the things they've struggled with, which you said in that story, pass rush. What's up with that, and what does this – what's the defense do well, and where are they vulnerable?
1: Yeah, this defense is opportunistic. I would call them that, you know, before this Chicago game, where they had a completely different strategy for Justin Fields than anybody has had this year. Teams have blitzed Justin Fields heavily. They decided – not going to blitz Justin Fields. They blitzed Justin Fields one play, John, and they had their highest pressure rate of the season. Now, you can say, well, Justin Fields held on to the ball for a long time. That's maybe why they were able to get some pressure. But it was effective. It worked. And even though Justin Fields still had a lot of statistics and numbers, it came on a career-high carries. So it it was actually a really effective defensive strategy and game plan. That said – Um, there's not a ton they do great defensively. They're not good on third down. Their pass rush, again, they have four sacks on Sunday, but that's the first time they have four sacks in a game since week one. They don't pressure the quarterback particularly well. Now, maybe they feel like they unlock something here uh, against the Bears uh, from a confidence perspective, but Grady Jarrett is what they do well defensively. He is having a Pro Bowl-caliber season. He is a problem in the middle of – Defense for opposing offenses. Teams pay so much attention to him. Arnold Abiquete, the rookie edge rusher, he's getting pressures. He's just not getting home yet. And you figure that, that at some point that will come for him maybe next season. Uh, then the secondary, their secondary is pretty good. Losing Casey Hayward hurt. But A.J. Terrell is a dynamic young cornerback. He's coming. Off, he came off with a hamstring injury. He returned last week and played pretty well. I think that's part of why the defense looked better. Their safeties are also maybe a strength. Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, both smart, instinctual players, both on rookie contracts too, but they have been very valuable for the Falcons. Their linebackers are okay. I mean, Rashawn Evans, good tackler, really smart. Troy Anderson's a guy that they really, really like. He's kind of their third linebacker right now, so he'll come off the bench in situations, but he has so much speed and he's so raw that you can tell that if he can put it all together, it's he could be a special player. Then Michael Walker is another guy that, you know, he he's hit and miss in a lot of ways, but that's kind of what their linebackers look like. I wouldn't say they necessarily do a ton, of, like, exceptional, but they are a unit that does enough things okay to, again, be competitive.
2: What do you think happened Sunday? Ooh,
1: I, I honestly don't know. I think it's a coin flip of a game. Uh you know, I, I don't think either one of these teams are great by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're both very flawed. Uh I don't I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. I think some of it's gonna depend on how they replace Pitts and who's playing left guard. Uh I I want to I think Washington will win this game. I do. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a close game. I think it's going to be a 27-24, 28-24, 31-28 type Like last, game.
2: Year, like last year in Atlanta. Yeah,
1: I, but I, I think Washington ends up winning this game. All of, Atlanta, all of Atlanta's games, except for Cincinnati, have been close. You know, I mean, that Carolina score was a double-digit deal, but it, that was late. So I think that Atlanta plays well. I think they very much could win this game, but I think Washington ends up winning.
2: I think they're they're kind of both symbolic where the NFC is at. But yeah, I mean both teams are, you know, Washington clearly playing well and the Falcons staying right there. So Mike, appreciate your time and I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Mike for joining me. And thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back after the game with the Washington Post's Nikki Jabala as we break down what happened with the Commanders and the Falcons. Talk to you next time.